0: Coming up on the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast, our interview with the first Sara Yoshida cosplayer of color, Invisible Wonders Cosplay. We'll go in-depth with Naku to find out about her love of cosplay and the Japanese culture. As a trained dancer, she'll address the most important safety issue when it comes to ballet-cosplay combinations. And she'll tell the story about ending up in the spotlight, and how one of her cosplays caught the attention of none other than the real Killmonger.
1: Yeah, my sisters still mention it from time to time because they're just like, remember that time when Michael B. Jordan himself put fire emojis and he said he loved your cosplay? And I'm like, yeah, I remember. And I was like, ah, Senpai noticed me.
0: Invisible Wonders cosplay coming up. I'll also talk about a new and rapidly growing trend to deliver fresh Japanese treats to doorsteps all over the world. I tried the Boksu Tasting Box, and will share my thoughts. Plus, I'll be joined by Canuck for the usual odds and ends that make this the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. It all comes your way next. Here on... Extreme Anime Radio. Greatest city in the world, broadcasting to fans of anime and Japanese culture all around the world. Welcome to the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast for the 16th of January 2020. I'm JR Horse, coming to you on this lovely, slightly mild, but getting colder Thursday evening, if that makes any sense. Joining me from north of the border, as per usual, where it's probably cold, is Mr. Canuck. Good evening,
2: everybody. And he says, you know, pleasantly mild. Meanwhile, um, you don't want to know up here. Brr. Uh, typical weather, huh?
0: Yep. Typical Canada in January.
2: Freeze.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, it's been an interesting week, and I've got some uh, interesting stuff to discuss. Uh, uh, as you heard in the intro, we're going to talk about uh, my foray into Baksu. And we're also going to air our interview, which we did last week, with uh, Yoshida cosplayer Naku, a.k.a. Invisible Wonders Cosplay. We are on Anchor at anchor.fm forward slash anime radio. Very good news that we are now listed on various podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a few others. Um, so you can just go there and search for the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. So quite exciting, quite exciting. Have you uh, have you tested out our new uh, podcasts on the various podcast homes, Neff? Well,
2: I've still been fighting with my uh, new stereo to do that, actually. So I'm going to get it to actually work at some point Ugh, as to when.
1: Ugh.
0: Well, it's been a week. No luck yet.
2: No, um, this, this thing is really weird because this stereo can access the internet no problem. It's just certain services,
0: it goes, you want me to do what? Huh? Eh.
1: 2020
0: technology.
2: Yeah, it's like, come on, it's supposed to be simpler, dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, I've been sort of trying to clean up my house a little bit today, and I don't know... How I got a hold of this, if it was maybe through my uh, my ex or somebody else uh, Neff claims he didn't do it, but I came across the entire dVD collection of the uh, original outlaw star anime mm,
2: and that's dating back to the days of Bondi distribution in the u s as I recall
0: oh yes that's Bandai uh, Bondi right on the label exactly yep,
2: so that's that's a bit of history there you've got in your hands. Because I I don't know that it actually got reprinted or uh,
0: licensed rescued yet.
2: Really? Not as far as I remember.
0: Wow! So then that that, that makes this kind of unique then.
2: <laughs> well, actually, let me let me just see because I know I know one or two streaming services were, were picking up some of these older titles. Okay. I'll just do a quick check because I can do that with my phone while my iPad, you know, watches the local hockey team try to score a goal and fail miserably. <laughs> mm. So let's see here. Here we go. Okay, so we need to go. Da, 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 da. Oh, and speaking of that, I'll talk briefly about uh, my foray into streaming history. Okay. The other day when I, was try- when I was trying to get some sleep and I couldn't fall asleep. So I went uh, to one of the streaming services and, and uh, went and found an old title. That uh, I had the DVDs for, but I was too lazy to, you know, get out of my chair, put the DVD in the Blu-ray player, and actually play it.
0: And which is this? This would
2: be the Big O. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the best part is, it, it actually has an opening that is the third different opening this show has had. And why has it had three different openings? Because the first two plagiarism
1: accusations
2: (laughs) and the best part is i have the second opening on the dvds so the dvds are so old that they have the second opening before the plagiarism you know kicked in for that one and they had to come up with a third opening
0: it's kind of like what they did to iron chef right i think so yeah but it's funny because if
2: you listen to the second opening it's clear Oh, yes. Outlaw Star is available on uh, one of the major streaming services. Okay, cool. But uh, I was going to say, um, basically what what happens, you know, the the first opening, they go, oops, can't do that. Second opening, oops, can't do that. So the third opening they've used is the one I think that Toonami came up with when Big O was on the air. So it's this weird thing that I watched. I'm like, okay, this definitely seems like something cobbled together at the last minute. It really does.
0: Well, it depends on the, the deadline, I guess, right? Well, I mean, there was no money at that point. So they're
2: basically, okay, we've got a couple, couple together. There's something with some music. and mm-hmm. make sure this time that we don't actually you know, break any copyrights.
1: Yeah.
0: That exactly reminds me of what happened with Iron Chef when it was uh, on Food Network uh back uh back in the days when iron chef the original iron chef the 90s iron chef we're talking about when it got dubbed in english and beautiful dubbing i have to say um all those um episodes of iron chef were given the treatment of music from the movie backdraft and um they had to update the uh, the music and then um, I think they had uh, just like Big O. They had like two to three different openings or interstitials or whatnot. Um, but what I recall is that at some point, uh, NBC Universal put their foot down and they had to dramatically change the the musical cuts. So now we're like it doesn't sound the same anymore. Mm.
2: Yeah, and like I was saying that that the opening that there is now it's just like no.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, Thinking about Iron Chef makes me hungry. And speaking about hunger, Neff, um, Boksu is now probably something that I'm going to invest in for quite a while. Mm. Uh, as I was mentioning in the intro, Boksu is part of what seems to me, although I think they've been around for a little while, a recent explosion of the subscription boxes and crates that you can obtain from Japan and I'm sure other locations around the world. They're sort of following a tried and true formula that uh, got started many decades ago. You remember Columbia House? Oh, yes. The 12 records. Yes, I'm dating
2: myself, folks. 12 records for a penny. Exactly so,
0: that that's sort of how the subscription um, starts, and they hook you in with that. And uh, well, I think this is how it's morphed twenty uh, first century wise. Now you can get uh, curated food boxes once a month, or you can order them a la carte. However you want to do it. But if you look online now, and you just do a Google search for um, Japanese subscription boxes, it is ridiculous to see the number of subscription box services that are out there there are snack services there are services uh, uh, for beauty and uh, some t-shirts and some manga and the the list goes on and on Mm. yeah
2: it's like it's this whole let's expose you to culture and get you hooked on it thing which i think works pretty well if there are that many services uh coming around
0: yeah, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I was given an offer from Amazon, actually. And uh, before I continue any further, let me say that I'm not endorsed by anybody for any of my reviews here. But uh, Amazon sent me an email for a discount off of a Bokksu um, subscription box. Um, this is from uh, Boxu spelled B-O-K-K-S-U. They are a company that are based in Osaka, if I'm not mistaken. At least uh, the first box I got was from Osaka. And they specialize in uh, what they say curated uh, savory and sweet snacks from all around Japan. So they have uh, basically two different sizes that you can choose from. They have a bigger classic uh, tasting box and a um, smaller snack box. Actually, I think they call it the classic box and the tasting box. The bigger and the smaller box, respectively. So, uh, using the Amazon discount, I decided, why not try uh, the subscription for the smaller box, the tasting box? And it got here in about two weeks. I'm not sure if the um, shipping time um, was sort of influenced by the New Year's holidays, because um, I received a notification that uh, the box was sent out in the mail from Japan just a few days before New Year's, Um, so I'm not exactly 100% sure whether or not uh, that played into um, the transit time, because um, New Year's is when uh, the post office over there gets busy, and they deliver uh, the New Year's envelopes to everybody in Japan on New Year's Day, which is still a tradition that's carried out, but I got the box. Like I said, I was blown away by what I saw and what I tasted. Um, they give you, I believe, in the tasting box I received, um, I think it was nine snacks plus uh, some green tea, uh, not green tea, but uh, genmai cha um and the first tasting box you get from Boxu is what they call the Taste of Japan, so they give you different uh, tastes representing all of the seasons, spring, summer, uh, autumn, and winter and they give you a pamphlet with the box that explains what each item is, whether the item is uh, sweet or savory or that sort of deal. Some of the more interesting items that were listed in the brochure were left out because I ordered the smaller box, but I'm like, ooh, they had a matcha cake? Oh, man. (laughs) I Mm. would have died for that. But um but still all the um all the snacks that I received were very, very nice. I uh actually broke out uh my old uh Japanese water heater, which still works, just to make the Genmai Cha tea. I waited for that heater for over an hour to reach the temperature that they suggested for the Genmai Cha tea, and it was amazing. Yes, I waited an hour, folks.
2: Okay, now I'm going to back you up a step. Exactly how hot is that supposed to be? 170 Fahrenheit, I believe. Okay, so basically, yeah, pretty hot. So I'm just going, I'm trying to think. I don't think, would a tea kettle get that hot? Or or is this something specifically to the device you used?
0: Um, It depends, I guess. Um, they give you instructions because I'm sure that most people don't have... Uh, Water heaters like I do. So they just give you sort of like a suggestion how you can boil water and then, you know, steep the tea. But, um, but yeah, I, I felt it was the correct temperature, uh, coming out of the water heater. And the way the water heater works is that you pour in water, you set, uh, they have four different temperatures you can choose from in the quote unquote hot spectrum. And mm-hmm. each, each different temperature is supposed to correspond to a temperature where you can enjoy a certain uh, type of Japanese tea. Hmm, interesting. So it will take the water, it will boil it to boiling temperature, which is 212, and then it will cool it down from there to whatever temperature you specify.
2: Okay, that, that actually does sound very impressive. But it does take a long time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I could wait an hour for water. That would probably <laughs> drive me crazy.
0: <laughs> but I had that. That was the one of the winter snacks, if you will, along with a uh, couple of others that I'll mention briefly. Um, one was called Jagapokuru, and essentially it is Hokkaido French fries in snack form. Hmm. Very, very rich, buttery taste. It was awesome.
2: Okay. I'm used to American French fries. I'm going, that and rich, buttery taste doesn't quite compute. It's like, wait a minute. That doesn't add up to the same thing.
0: (laughs) And then I had the pretty interesting snack out of everything, which was the Kinako Mochi Puffs.
2: Okay. That sounds like a cereal that's escaped.
0: Well, uh, almost. It's uh, mochi rice, you know, mochi pounded, and Mm -hmm. it's sort of aired and then uh, dusted with uh, soybean powder. Okay, definitely interesting. And it's pretty delicious. Uh, And it also, uh, if I'm not mistaken from what I read, it contains traces of alcohol. Ooh, now you really got me interested. (laughs) That's probably what made it so sweet. I would assume so. <laughs> but uh, just going through some of the others uh they had the spring snacks I had um uh, they had a what's called the white strawberry which is sort of like a freeze dried strawberry which is which was very flavorful. Um I had uh, additional uh, mochi um basically uh covered with sugar powder. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And uh, as I continue down the list, ooh, I have, and I still have a few of these left, hard yuzu sake candy. So it's uh, yuzu citrus candy with sake. Hmm. That definitely sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, I also had um, a citrus seaweed tempura, which was also... um, Supposed to be uh, a summer type of snack. Hmm. Interesting. And then uh, I'm looking. Uh, I had sasuma chips. Um, so they are fried uh, chips, sort of, kind of like puffs, and then they're marinated in tonkatsu sauce. Hmm. Now you're making me hungry, and I had dinner. <laughs> <laughs> They had uh or something else that I liked was the red bean crackers. So they're basically uh crackers with a very very thin layer of uh, red bean paste. It kind of makes it sweet. Hmm. Sounds interesting. So those are the most uh those are most of the snacks that I tried and they were all so delicious and they kind of got me hooked. Um, so I sent them emails asking questions about um, where I could subscribe uh, to the Classic Box, because now I think I want to get the Classic Box. They said, well, you might have to do this. Okay, so I canceled my subscription through Amazon, and I signed up directly with Buxu. I emailed Buxu and I said, uh, well, I already received the Taste of Japan tasting box. I just signed up for the Classic Box now. Would there be any way... I don't know how it would work, but would there be any way that I could just switch over to the monthly themed box? They said, sure, no problem. So hopefully the box that I receive uh, end of this month or early next month will be the February themed box. Because if you subscribe and then you um, you have a recurring uh, membership to get the boxes... Then you'll get the Taste of Japan first, and then you get the themed boxes. Now, of course, the February one's going to be the Valentine's Day theme. Ah, uh, yes. Singles Awareness Day. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if anybody's interested, um, it's not just limited to Boxu though. There are so many others out there. You have uh, Japan Crate. You have uh, Snaku. You have... Uh, what, Nihon Box, Wow Box, uh, Kira Kira, Anime Bento. There's one called the Umai Crate that I think uh, will ship you some uh, ramen or udon or something like that. And uh, so there's a lot to choose from. Um, the thing that I've noticed, at least with Boxu and a couple of others, you can order these boxes a la carte for a certain price. Uh... But when you do that, you'll incur shipping costs. They'll pass the shipping costs on to you for each box. Whereas if you go for a subscription, you won't pay for the shipping. So I, th- oh. I figure that's pretty interesting. Uh, and there are uh, some offers out there that will allow you to uh, get a discount on your first box or get a bonus with a multi-month subscription. So I'm looking forward to trying out these uh, boxes and uh, hopefully sharing the results. Maybe they can arrive before a future podcast and I can do some sort of a tasting on the air, see how that turns out. Mm, That would would be quite interesting, yes. Let me ask you, Neff, what will be your favorite uh, Japanese confection?
2: Oh, dear. Well... I got to be honest, the Sake Kit Kats are one of those things
0: where it's like, ooh, I could eat a lot of those in one sitting. Now, are we talking about the Sake Kit Kats with very trace amounts of Sake or the Sake Kit Kats where they actually print warning labels? Warning labels, please. I don't, <laughs> I don't,
2: I don't, I don't do trace. Warning labels, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually, I won't lie, I actually ordered uh, another uh, Kit Kat bag. There is a reputable seller on eBay that I now ordering Japanese Kit Kats from, based in the United States, and um the seller offers reasonable prices. If that arrives before the next podcast, I will do a taste test of that and see how that goes. Hmm. Okay. Now you said they they're on eBay? I believe so, yes. Uh I will uh let me go into my eBay and I will tell you exactly which ones. They're from a U.S. seller, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Oh, they probably sh-
2: they'd probably ship them here, but the shipping costs would probably like. ha, 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 ha Yeah. Ow.
0: Who knows? Maybe there's a maybe there's a rogue seller in Canada that will do it. <laughs> a rogue seller in Canada, ladies and gents. <laughs> there we go. Okay, it is the Kit Kat Hojicha roasted tea bars. Hmm. So Hojicha is a, a, another type of uh, Japanese tea. Let's see here. I'm just looking to see.
2: Uh, let's see. Doo, 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 doo. Of course, when I try to find something on live on air, it never quite works the way I intend. <laughs> eh, the story of my life. Let's no see worries. here. Oh, green tea Kit Kats. Let's see. but see. Hojicha. Cha brand. Yeah. Okay. It looks like the only ones I come up with are the green tea Kit Kats.
0: Really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, such is life. The green tea Kit-Kat seem to be more readily available compared to some of the more interesting flavors. Mm.
2: Yeah, that tends to be a more popular one, I think.
0: Yes, uh, I've ordered some other flavors for some of my friends. One is the ice cream flavored Kit-Kat, which is Mm. supposed to taste like creamy vanilla ice cream.
2: Okay. Now now I just matched ch- I just tried it another way and I've got some really interesting combinations here. Uh-oh. Let's see what we got here. Ah, uh, okay. Uh Nestle Kat chocolate strawberry Ichigo Daifuko red bean mochi sweet. Oh, nice. From Mochi Sweets in Japan. Uh which is Well, actually, that's not too bad. But I probably want to order more than one one uh, package at a time. Mm. mm. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. This is a company that does it. There we go. The sponsored listing comes right up at the top, and I've got like three different flavors from the same company. That's why.
1: Okay. Interesting.
2: Yes, Japanese party ice cream. You said, okay, one bag, twelve pieces, uh, ten forty-one Canadian plus shi- with free shipping.
0: Okay, and they ship from Japan.
2: Uh let's see. Yes, from Kagoshima,
0: Japan. Oh Kagoshima, okay, and so that's southern Kyushu. Yeah, I got the uh, the price I got, I believe, was eight bucks with free shipping. Okay, with the exchange rate, eh, that's not too bad. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, uh, I would recommend uh, for anybody interested, just search online for Japanese subscription boxes, and you're gonna get all the information there, basically. With that. Uh, Well, I don't have much of a snack to eat at the moment, but I would love to maybe munch on something while you guys listen to our interview with Naku, a.k.a. Invisible Wonders Cosplay, one of the uh, Sariyoshida cosplayers and the first Sariyoshida cosplayer of color. It was a wonderful interview that I did with her last week, so enjoy that here on the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. Stay tuned. Have you heard about those places out there that sell personalized video greetings from celebrities? How would you like a personal greeting? And who better to star in your video message than Extreme Anime Radio's mascot, Sara Yoshida. Sarah Shoutouts, featuring the cosplayers of Sara Yoshida. Sarah Shoutouts allow you to select a Sarah cosplayer to provide a personalized shoutout or greeting on video. Want to wish someone a happy birthday or a happy holiday? Good luck on a test? Ask for advice? Too shy to say something and want Sarah to say it on your behalf? There are many possibilities. And most importantly, proceeds from your personalized video will go directly to Extreme Anime Radio in order to pay the station's operating expenses. For more information on how you can schedule a Sarah shout-out, please email ExtremeAnimeRadio at gmail.com. Terms and conditions apply. Mention you heard about Sarah Shoutouts on the podcast and get yours for only $16. Extreme
2: Anime Radio
0: welcome back to the podcast here on extreme anime radio i'm so happy and honored to be joined by my guest please say hello to naku aka invisible wonders cosplay naku welcome to the podcast
1: hi thank you for having me
0: thank you so much for taking uh, some time out of your schedule to join us tonight um You've told me before we came on the air that you're busy preparing for uh, your con season coming up. What does it look like for you?
1: Yeah, so pretty much the next con that I'm going to be going to is going to be KatsuCon. My lineup is looking like I'm going to be Rini from Critical Role. That's uh, Mika Burton's character when she was a guest. Uh I'm going to do Sakizo cosplay, so that's what I'm working on right now. Um, specifically one of the gems, Amethyst. So it's like a Baroque style, like very detail-oriented cosplay. So that's what's been a lot of my time.
0: Okay. Um, And you told me that you're not going to be doing much as far as the con scene goes this year because um, towards the end of this year, you're not just going to be known as Naku. You're going to be known as Naku MBA, so I congratulate you in advance on that. And could you just explain uh, what masters you're pursuing right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm getting a master's um, that's focused in user research and human computer experience. Um, I actually I used to want to get my PhD in clinical psychology, but mm-hmm. I realized pretty quickly that. Um, that kind of research is a little too slow paced for me, and I'm just more interested in media and video games and those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. um, getting a master's in human-computer interaction will help me to be able to do those sorts of things. So pretty much looking at the design of certain um, virtual media and how to make it more user-friendly in the future.
0: Okay, so then what sort of a career path will that lead you into, do you think?
1: Um so my goal my like dream job would to be uh would be to be a user experience researcher for video games so like games user research but it's looking like my career trajectory right now is um mostly for like internet and social media companies where I'll be doing user research for them first and hopefully I can do a transition into gaming from there.
0: Very good, very good. We wish you good luck with all of that. Um Let's go back, though, to your to the very beginning, uh, your interest in Japanese culture. How did that all start for you?
1: Yeah, I definitely would say a lot of that comes from my dad because he used to watch old anime and those sorts of things and um, watching Toonami and, like, even when they had things like Big O on Adult Swim, mm-hmm. um, Cowboy Bebop, so, like... It definitely started with anime, and then also like video games. And then as I got older, I realized like it spanned from like Japanese culture. And then in high school, I tried to teach myself Japanese, and that did not work. Yeah, yeah, it was it was bad. So I always knew like I wanted to visit Japan and learn Japanese and those sorts of things.
0: Wow. So if you if you wanted to go to Japan one day, um, where would you want to go basically?
1: Um, so one place I know for sure that I've wanted to visit is, uh, the Ghibli museum. Ooh. Just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always been like all of the films are so magical and Howl's moving castle is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. So just wanting to go there for sure.
0: Oh, wow. That's uh that's a place I've been to once. And, uh, I can tell you now, um, you need to have a reservation to get in, but it's a lot easier now for people from overseas to get reservations uh, to the Ghibli Museum now. It used to be you have to go to a a Japanese convenience store and order your tickets there, not exactly in English, but now (laughs) they make it a lot easier for you to pick up the tickets. So, yeah, Ghibli Museum would be a perfect destination, I think, for you. What else were you thinking about?
1: I I love the idea of taking like a foodcation, so doing kind of like a food tour, um, so seeing all the different things, and like the big fluffy, it's kind of like a fluffy cheesecake sort of thing.
0: Uh, I think, uh, I might have an idea what you're talking about, yeah.
1: Yeah, so there's like the massive fluffy pancake cheesecake sort of situation, <laughs> um, and then like Definitely fork out the cash to have like real beef uh, and like Kobe beef sort of thing, like wagyu beef, like trying all the different meats and like fresh fish and just maybe even trying like puffer fish and just going and trying all the different things that I know that it wouldn't be as good quality here or just like Mm. virtually unattainable here.
0: That's something I've never tried. I've never done the blowfish or the fugu before, so... Yeah. I'm uh, immediately jealous of you saying that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you go back, you can try it.
0: Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, Hopefully, I go back... uh, Well, it's not going to happen probably until, at the very least, after the Olympics and Paralympics are over, because this is the big year for them. Um, So... uh, uh, we'll see what happens uh, in that regard. But, yeah, you have some wonderful ideas. Um, and I know there are a few food cruises that you could look into as well. We could just take a dinner cruise and they'll just serve you, you know, nice morsels of food on the boat.
1: That sounds amazing. I never thought about
0: that. Oh, yes. So they have a few cruises like that. That uh, Maybe when we're done with the interview, I'll give you some links. But, um, but yeah, um, so... It's very interesting. I've spoken to several people now already for this podcast and their influences into the Japanese culture all started with one or both of their parents. So that's I find that quite amazing.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fun thing that we all have in common because I know you're like exposed to everything from your parents, so it's cool that such an interesting and unique thing is something that our parents were able to expose us to and I'm really grateful for that.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. So, when did uh, this interest in Japanese culture turn into an interest in cosplaying?
1: Um, I would definitely say in high school. I loved the idea of like sewing and making costumes, but I didn't really know that cosplay was much of a thing until I got to college. And um, one of my friends actually was—he went to Otakon because I live um, in Baltimore, and it used to be there. Oh. He. Yeah, so he was like, yeah, you should totally go, and people cosplay, and then it that's when it occurred to me, like, you get to dress up as characters that you love? <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely, it was um, the next year, so in 2015, I was like, I'm gonna go to Otakon, and I'm gonna dress up, and that Halloween, the Halloween before that, I had been Yoroichi, because I just always really loved her as a character. So then I just like kept that costume and wore that to my first Otakon. And it was really fun.
0: That's nice. Do you have any uh, interesting cosplay accomplishments or uh, cosplay that you're particularly proud of?
1: Yeah. Um, so for sure, the thing that I'm most proud of is um, Horizon Zero Dawn. So when I first played the game or saw the game, I saw that there was a character named Warchief Sona, and she's really cool and super awesome. And I love both of the kids that she has in the game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to cosplay her. <laughs> and I realized that it was like kind of hard to get reference pictures. So I emailed um, the community lead. I emailed them and I was basically like, hey, I would really appreciate if I was able to get any high def reference pictures from you. I really love the game, etc. And they were really kind, responded. Not only did they send me um, pictures, but they also sent me a gift in the mail that was, like, a really nice um, Horizon necklace, bracelet sort of thing. It was, like, a leather band with a pendant. Yeah. And then on top of that, um, so after I did the cosplay and took pictures and everything, and they, like, featured me a couple times on their social media, um, they, I got an email from them that was basically like, we're reaching out to fans of the game and we want to get your feedback and we want to talk to you about if, um, as a community member. So Sony Interactive Entertainment and, like, representatives for Horizon basically came to my apartment and talked to me about the game and I'm in a couple of their trailers.
0: That That is wild.
1: Yeah. So I'm in cosplay as War Chief Sona, in i know their one year anniversary and then another trailer with them
0: (laughs) were were you at all nervous when this all happened
1: um yes just because i had never been in such an intense like we were shooting pretty much all day and um they completely turned my house upside down to make it um suitable for shooting so that was mostly what i was nervous about (laughs) just having like a bunch of strangers doing a video shoot in my home and I was like gosh I hope they're not judging the state of my apartment like yeah. I hope it doesn't smell weird or look weird or I hope I'm doing a good job while I'm talking and all that sort of thing so
0: so yeah. it's, it's a filming company and and like a moving company both at the same time I guess huh
1: yeah <laughs> and a repair company because when they showed up uh they were trying to close and like get better lighting and they broke my blinds <laughs> oh <laughs> like, no like, them off the wall <laughs> oh no yeah so they were like does anyone have gaffing tape we need gaffing tape so they just stuck it back up and it stayed until after we moved out so it oh
0: great. wow <laughs> it's a uh, kind of sounds like uh my typical work day in television goodness gracious <laughs> but
1: yeah uh... it was cool and then like so that was like an actual official cosplay accomplishment and then other than that when i uh did a killmonger cosplay and i made um his mask out of paper mache and everything um michael b jordan like commented on the picture he huh. was like wow that's amazing and i was like ah senpai noticed me so <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so that was just like, It was a minor accomplishment, but it was really cool.
0: I'll put that on par with uh, the visit by the Sony execs and and people and whatnot. Wow.
1: Yeah, my sisters still mention it from time to time because they're just like, remember that time when Michael B. Jordan himself put fire emojis and he said he loved your cosplay? And I'm like, yeah, I remember
0: We're here on the Extreme Anime Radio podcast talking to soon-to-be Naku M.B.A. from Invisible Wonders Cosplay, uh, endorsed by Michael B. Jordan. Um, <laughs> 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 well, why not? We can say it, we can add that, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and of course, um, she is one of the uh, newest cosplayers of our mascot, Sarah Yoshida, and we're uh, happy to say she is the first Sarah Yoshida cosplayer of color. Very happy to say that um, in your regard. Um, And as we all know, Sarah Yoshida is a character who loves to dance and loves to live life to the fullest. Um, So speaking about dance, Naku, um, you were a, a trained dancer and ballerina. When did that start for you?
1: Yeah, so some of my earliest memories are of dance. So when I was around four years old, that's when, pretty much the daycare that my mom took me to um, had a dance program. And I can remember doing dance recitals for that. And then pretty much I went to a pretty good school that offered ballet classes. And throughout my childhood, I was able to take ballet instead of physical education. And then from there, yeah, yeah, it was really great. They would complain about all the new stuff that they had to do and like the running back and forth. And I was like, well, I, I got to dance. <laughs> so that it really stuck with me and my I had a really great ballet teacher who cared a lot about us as people and wanted us to be the our best selves and not just as dancers. So um it not only did I love ballet and did I love dance, but she was really influential in who I am today, so that also helped with just like making dance an important part of my life and I just Essentially, just kept doing it.
0: (laughs) Um, What sort of, um, besides Sarah, what kind of uh, cosplay have you integrated ballet into?
1: Yeah, so I've done two ballet, like tutu cosplays. The first one I did was when I came up with the idea to have um, a ballet Voltron group. So, of course, since I started the group, I got to be Allura, but then I had a lot of my friends with me. So I had Lance, Hunk, all of the paladins together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first ballet cosplay. And then the second one I did was ballet, of dan- uh, Disney princesses. So my friend and I, I was Tiana and she was Jasmine. So those are the two, um, definite ballet cosplays that I've done with tutus and point shoes and those sorts of things.
0: All right. I think, I think your Tiana, uh, cosplay is how we hooked up uh, on Instagram. I think.
1: I believe
0: so, yeah. So um, in a future show, Naku, we're going to be talking about um, ballet safety when it comes to cosplay. Um, I know you had some thoughts and suggestions you wanted to uh, share with our audience uh, for those who are, who are interested in doing something like Spider Gwen or Princess mm-hmm. Tutu or something like that. Uh, so please tell us your thoughts.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, part of my education in ballet through middle school and high school actually involved um, kinesiology because, as I said before, my dance teacher was really about being well-rounded. So we took dance history and kinesiology in addition to our classes. And we learned a lot about safety and the importance of doing the right movements. So for starters... Point shoes should only be worn if you've been trained on point and like not self-taught, but you've actually taken the time to learn. Um, we, I believe we were starting middle school and she took a look at all of our feet. She watched us dance and she made sure that we were all able to actually start doing point. Some people weren't actually allowed to start because she didn't think that they were, their ankles were developed enough and that they'd be safe. So For no matter what your age is, for you to just go on point because you think it looks good could be really detrimental to your ankles, not only like the bones, but the ligaments and your toes and like all of the bones in your feet. And it's a whole situation where point is already really bad for your feet, but to not have the muscles and the strength build up around your ankles, it'll be even worse and you could potentially hurt yourself really badly. So, um point shoes is it's not a good idea um, but if you're looking for the look of a point shoe you can always try on a demi point shoe where it pretty much looks just like a point shoe except it doesn't have the stiff um, sole which is essentially it's called a shank but it's like the sole of the shoe right. it's not stiff so it doesn't support going on point but it looks the same
0: okay uh, sound advice uh, from a professional dancer. Uh, Naku, a.k.a. Invisible Wonders Cosplay, uh, soon to be an NBA and endorsed by Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> so um, I'm, putting
1: you... that, I'm putting that in my Instagram bio.
0: There you go. <laughs> um, so earlier, uh, I don't want to say this year because it's 2020, uh, last spring, I believe, is when uh, you helped us with uh, some photos uh, cosplaying our mascot, Sarah Yoshida, in the candy shop which uh, we thought was cool.
1: So pretty much I I was wondering where the best places were to go because I was like, my life is boring. There's nowhere fun I can go. (laughs) And, I mean, this is – when I think of Sarah, I think of, like, fun and carefree and cute and just, like, bubbly. And I was like, oh, my God, I know the perfect place for this. So – I decided to go there, and they have like a wall full of candy, and they have frozen yogurt and fun paintings on the walls, and like a little arcade cabinet. And I was like, "This place, one, this place is perfect for like what I envision, and two, I can get frozen yogurt and candy afterwards." So like, yay me! (laughs) Kill two birds with one stone, right? Yeah, I have a huge sweet tooth, so in my brain, that's like also my head cannon for Sarah is that she loves music and candy.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to ask what Sarah means to you, but I think you just answered it right there.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's like one of the things that I always, I always think about is just like, she's a fun loving personality that is pretty much relatable to anyone, especially if you like Japanese culture and you like the kind of music. So yeah.
0: <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, well, we're just about uh, almost out of time with this interview, but um Naku, is there anything you'd like to say to our podcast listeners?
1: Um yeah, well, for starters, thanks for being here and your support means everything. So, wouldn't be here without you, so thanks for that. And hmm, I don't know. I think that's all I got for now.
0: No worries, no worries. Uh, The first Sarah cosplayer of color, Invisible Wonders cosplay, Naku, soon-to-be NBA, and endorsed by Michael B. Jordan. And we're going (laughs) to let that stick the rest of the way. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me, Naku. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And this is the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. Have you heard about those places out there that sell personalized video greetings from celebrities? How would you like a personal greeting, and who better to star in your video message than Extreme Anime radio’s mascot, Sara Yoshida. Sara Shoutouts: featuring the cosplayers of Sara Yoshida. Sarah shoutouts allow you to select a Sarah cosplayer to provide a personalized shoutout or greeting on video. Want to wish someone a happy birthday or a happy holiday? Good luck on a test? Ask for advice? Too shy to say something and want Sarah to say it on your behalf? There are many possibilities. And most importantly, proceeds from your personalized video will go directly to Extreme Anime Radio in order to pay the station's operating expenses. For more information on how you can schedule a Sarah shout-out, please email ExtremeAnimeRadio at gmail.com. Terms and conditions apply. Mention you heard about Sarah shoutouts on the podcast and get yours for only $16. Extreme Anime Radio. We're back on the Extreme Anime Radio podcast. JR here with uh, Nef Canuck. And we just heard the interview with Invisible Wonders Cosplay, soon to be MBA. That's Naku MBA. And she's endorsed by Michael B. Jordan, so wow! What what a what an amazing person! and What a talented person, Neff. Uh,
2: definitely, I mean, uh, she has a very wide range of talents, and I'm I'm frankly jealous, <laughs> I must say. It's like, and she got endorsed. I'm like going, ooh, by the person who's, who she was cosplaying. I'm going, ooh, that that's, that's
0: neat. Yeah, I actually uh, talking about Michael B. Jordan the way I. Uh, first became familiar with uh, the actor was through um, the Apollo movies oh yeah that's right Creed I I should say Creed yeah I was
2: going to say and you just reminded me that the second uh, Creed movie just uh, hit uh, pay TV up here so I might actually check that out
0: yeah I heard both Creed films were very good and he did an amazing job and then he became uh, killmonger and then the rest is history I think
2: yeah, I mean, once once you play an iconic character and you play it well, I mean, you're you're basically, I won't say set, but you're basically, you
0: know, well known at that point. And it was also nice to hear about when uh, the uh, production crew came into her place. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always
2: wondered. It's like you, you have something like that happen. You have these people come in your house, and you're like one one half is going, "This is great," and the other half is going, "Oh boy, <laughs> what are they going to see? What are they going to see
0: when they come to my house?" <laughs> Yes, when they take your house and they move furniture around to sort of try to block the shot, then you're like, oh no, <laughs> because then if they don't put it back before they leave, oh dear. Remember, as we said in the interviews, their production company, a moving company, and a repair company, because they broke something on the way out. Yeah, that, that
2: that was just like, oops, and 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 she said that it held it held out until after they moved, and it's like. Now, that's the best type of repair, as long as it holds up until you move. After
0: that, who cares? (laughs) So just for everybody uh, to know, we do have a few more interviews with Sarah Cosplayers, that are going to be airing on future podcasts. Um, We're also going to do, as was mentioned, we're going to do a separate, specific show about uh, cosplay and ballet safety, which... uh, several of the Sari cosplayers wanted us to do. Uh, So we're going to do that. And there's actually some more content in the interview that Naku discussed, which we're going to save for that show. So um, once we get uh, a few more of the interviews taken care of, we'll edit everything together and we'll play it down for you guys. Also, um, Alva, the host of uh, the Analog Show from the days when we aired music, he will be uh, a future guest on one of our podcasts. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be pre-recorded or live. We're definitely looking forward to having him back on the air. Especially now that uh, with the
2: rumored release now of the Next Generation consoles, which is coming this year. Things should be very interesting to talk about, I would think.
0: Including the PS5, SS5, or whatever they're calling it. And the, the Xbox, whatever they're going to call that.
2: <laughs> yeah the I, I laughed only because one of the one of the big things about the p s five the rumors once again of backwards compatibility mm. I said this online. I said, okay, if it actually means you can play your discs all the way
0: back to the p s one, I will buy a launch system of course, of course, but uh, I think that's wishful thinking and I think the uh, the usual nuance from PlayStation is that that's something they don't do because they'll build new specific hardware specifically for PS5 or whatever the, the next generation is.
2: Yeah, that's why I think I, I said what's probably going to happen is they're probably going to say you can recompile them and do them as electronic downloads all the way back to the PS1. But I, I just can't see them saying, okay, guess what? All your discs... That you have saved for all these decades now, because I mean the PS one is PS one is how far back? Is that nineteen ninety seven or so? Or am I
0: I wanna say my, mid to late nineties has to be, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I'm going, Yeah, if you happen to have a disc kicking around that's like twenty plus years old, one I'd be surprised if it still works. Two, I'd be very surprised that Sony would say, Okay, pop it in the new system and have at it.
0: Right. Nineteen ninety four. Okay, yeah, so I was a little bit uh, too, too late, as they say. <sighs> I remember visiting my, uh, my dad's co-worker's place and playing some of those old PlayStation games, including, I think one of them was Atlanta 1996 Olympics. Oh, yes, the, t-
2: the tie-in games with the Olympics. Oh, God, some of them were so bad.
0: Well, I've just, uh, I have just I've just started playing, not too long ago, the Mario Sonic Tokyo 2020 uh, game on the Switch. Not too bad at all. Mm. Okay, so they've learned their lesson, I
2: take it, from some of their earlier efforts. And I use that word, efforts, in air quotes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have the... Um, it's interesting. They have the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, which are all the, the latest graphics. And then they have the Super Mario Brothers 8-bit graphics for games from 1964 that you can also play. Okay, that would be interesting to look at, yeah. Well, I'll have to bring my Switch up uh, next time I, I pay a visit, I think.
2: Or I'll have to spend the air miles and get myself a Switch. I've, I've been thinking about that off and on, but I'm
0: going, well, I'd like, I'd like a new TV first. You want to go for a t- Well, you have your stereo system, and now you want a TV. I guess that makes sense, right? Well, yeah, you upgrade the stereo, and you're like... It can do 4K television, but I don't have a 4K television.
2: Yes, must get 4K television.
0: I, I'm reading now about the the new uh, the new televisions now that they sell. What is it? ULED, OLED, something like
2: that. Yeah, OLED, organic light emitting di- diodes. So essentially, it's uh, better. Uh, it produces better color, better blacks, because of course. Black is one of those things that LED really doesn't do well, mm. which is why, I, this is why I've never changed my TV because mine's a plasma, which can do absolute black. Right. It can do absolutely nothing, as they say. But OLEDs actually comes as close to but without the power consumption because that's what really killed plasmas because powered, powered on, my TV burns uh, 300 watts.
0: I have to look up mine. Mine is an old Sony from 2008 which is still chugging along.
2: Yeah, that that might burn similar numbers, but I mean of course now the the new modern ones are down to around I want to say in the 175 watts when when powered on. Okay.
0: So about half or less. Okay. I've got uh my parents uh have a nice big white Samsung TV. It's not 4K, but it's still a Heck of a lot better than the one I have.
2: Well, yeah, that's that's the other problem, too. After a while, you're like, you get TV envy. Because <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, these big, beautiful TVs. And mine is big, but not that beautiful anymore.
0: <laughs> well, uh, this is the Extreme Anime Radio podcast, and uh, we're getting close to our closing time, as they like to say. Wouldn't remind everybody listening uh, if you are streaming and listening to us through the podcast right now, we do have uh, a live stream, which is how this show and most of our podcasts going forward will originate. Uh, You can listen to our feed live uh, on our scheduled air dates by uh, going to tunein or to radio.net and searching for Extreme Anime Radio. The old stream that we used to use for our um, radio broadcast with the music Uh, We are still using those for the live podcast shows, which will then be edited later on and um, put into the podcast form that you're listening to now. So if you'd like to know when those next live shows are going to air, please follow us on our various social media platforms. Those include Facebook, facebook.com forward slash anime radio, Instagram at extreme anime radio, and we also sometimes use Twitter, and that is at Anime Radio. So a myriad of ways you can find out what's going on with our podcasts. Um, if you want to see some of the uh, cosplay photos of Naku, uh cosplayer, as Sarah, as well as take a look at all the other cosplayers and all the other artwork, you can go to our Sarah Yoshida mascot page, which is Facebook.com forward slash Anime Radio Mascot altogether. And uh, once you tune in to the shows, you can also join us in the live chat room. We have a chat room going on right now as we speak on IRC where everybody is in there uh, sharing their thoughts and observations and anything they want to talk about concerning uh, this program or whatever is on their mind. So... If you are enjoying these podcasts, we hope you'll consider uh, joining us for one of our live broadcasts sometime down the road. So be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and or Twitter for all the latest updates. Neff, uh, we're getting close to the end here. Another successful show. Is there anything else you want to add? No.
2: I mean, we, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I will I will quickly, quickly mention the show I was talking about, uh, beginning of the show, um, The Big O, uh, it's an older show. It's available on high dive uh for your streaming pleasure. As I like to call it, if you remember Batman the Animated series, and you've ever seen Giant Robo, put the two together, mash them in a blender, bango, and you have the big O. Will it blend? That is the question. Megaduces don't blend. Actually, no, scratch that. There is an episode with a with a megaduce a giant robot that actually, yeah, can
0: blend and puree and chop and yikes. <laughs> Cool. So you can watch Big O and maybe, I don't know, should I watch Outlaw Star or should I watch Sailor Stars? Oh, dear. Well, I I would say those are two very
2: different shows, even though they aired roughly the same time period, like
0: within a few years of one another, I think. I I want to agree with you. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Do they have a... uh... Now they just say the copyright of the uh the dub or, and the English adaptation which is 2000. So these are 20-year-old DVDs. Wow. Well, hey,
2: the fact they st- the fact they still work
0: and they're still in one piece. Long live physical media. <laughs> exactly. We'll have to uh dedicate one of our future shows as to whether or not uh uh DVDs and Blu-rays are going to die out eventually.
2: Yeah, because that that's actually an interesting that's actually going to be an interesting topic because there's a part of me that says yes buy them and the other part says where are you going to put them?
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, there's something we can we can discuss because in Japan, uh I think uh I think there's still a big demand for physical media in Japan for everything.
2: Yeah, which I which I find actually interesting because of course they generally live in much smaller spaces than we do. Like, they like their average um, apartment is, I think it's by Tatami Mats. And I think it's, what, six? Mm. Six Tatami Mats? Something like that? Right. Whereas, for example, where I live, I'm about uh, just under 1,000 square feet, mm. which sounds like a lot until you start putting furniture, manga, DVDs, Blu-rays, something to play them on, et cetera, et cetera, et
0: cetera. Right, so... I guess they don't have uh, storage uh, spaces like we do here in North America. They could stash some of the stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the funny thing. You get all these places
2: now popping up that's storage, storage areas you can you can rent. And I say to myself, I said, what did we do 30 years ago? Answer, we just threw stuff out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we didn't keep it. Now, now we just throw them in and forget to pay the bill and have an auction like six months later. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right, so we're going to mark that down as a future topic. Meanwhile, I'll still debate uh, between Outlaw Star and uh, Sailor Stars. I think uh, I'm think we're sort of leaning towards Sailor Stars because, uh, yeah, that's how we all began. And, well, not all of us, but most of us old folks. That's how we began our obsession when the Japanese wave started coming through in the 90s. Yeah, it's like, wait
2: a minute. They're coming. It, it's more like it came back for some of us really old folk. Excuse me. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like the, the rebirth, shall we say, in 1995. Mm. So um,
0: that is uh, that's going to do it, I think. Uh, would you like to do the closing commentary?
2: Well, I think you've covered everything, but I'll just do the standard spiel with a bit of a twist. Mm. If you have any questions, concerns, compliments or complaints about this show or anything you hear in our podcasts, drop us a line at ExtremeAnimeRadio at gmail.com or check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash anime radio or hit us up on Twitter at anime radio or on Instagram at Extreme Anime Radio. On behalf of JR Horse and myself, thank you for listening. And remember, keep
0: on listening, and we'll see you next time. On the podcast. That's we'll see you next time. That's what I used to say when I closed the side project. So very well done. Thank you, I learned from the best. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our second show, and we'll keep you posted on show number three. Until then, thanks and have a good one. We'll see you next time. Bye.